Well, howdy! This podcast is a proud member of the PodCon Go Network. PodCon Go. Family-friendly shows that are fun for everyone. Welcome to Elderberry Tales. Grab your favorite onesie pajamas. It's time for a story. Today's story is My Mom Detective. Dad has a superpower too. Part 2 by William Stair. This is part two of a multi part story. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you should definitely pause and go back to that episode and then come back here when you're ready for part two. As I said, I pretty much forgot about the whole thing. Then, Mom was in the laundry sewing something when I got home from my afternoon class on programming. As I walked into the room, she hesitated, as if to hide what she was doing, but then didn't. I saw that she was sewing different patches onto the sides of the hood of Dad's Coelho Man costume. They were of the moon, with beams streaming out to the back. Mom, I know about Dad and his new powers. I know you do, honey. Dad told me. Desmond knows too, although he might think he just dreamed it. He hasn't said anything about it since that night. Mom was shocked at that. Let's hope not. Too many people know already. Who knows? You and me. Cousin Jack must know, since he keeps bringing bags of those mushrooms over. Your dad is not good at keeping secrets, so who knows how many know something. You remember those mail thieves he stopped? The police found lots of stolen mail in their car and used the license on the car to find the thieves. Their house had lots more stolen stuff in it. All that is good, but when the thieves knew they were caught, they claimed a man had appeared out of nowhere with superhuman strength. The police questioned Dad about that, but he claimed he knew nothing. That seems to have satisfied them, I hope. Has Dad been out at night lately? I asked. You mean as Coelho Man? No, not unless he's going out in regular clothes. I think he enjoys the idea of being a crime stopper and would only want to go out in his costume. How do you like the new ear flaps? I went into the playroom to work on my robot. It was almost done, and then I could begin programming it. My class at school had taught me a lot about programming, and I was really looking forward to seeing what I could get the mechanical man to do. Desmond was in the room, too, playing with his own building blocks. Army, did you know that your robot could be much bigger if we used some of my blocks along with yours to build it? He asked. That's a good idea, I agreed. But first, let me finish it my way and get it to do something. Desmond didn't seem too happy that I'd not gone along with his idea, but he went back to playing with his own blocks. It looked like he was building an arm with a claw on the end instead of a hand. It went click, click, click as he snapped the pieces together. There was no more talk about superpowers for a while, and Mom didn't come across any interesting mysteries to solve. Then, 
One day, the clouds and rain of the northwest finally let up, and the sky was clear and sunny. Summer was almost here. I was out in the backyard with Trooper, who was snuffling along the ground, attracted by something I couldn't smell. The night before, it had rained hard, and the new grass had not yet begun to grow, so there were plenty of bare spots in the yard. One of the things I'd been studying in my biology class was animal tracks, so I decided to follow Trooper around the yard, looking for bird or squirrel tracks. My friend, Mr. Sequartle, had given me a kit for making plaster casts of animal tracks, but I'd not had a chance to use it yet. He works at the Burke Museum of Natural History in Seattle and got it for me from their museum store. You might remember him from the time Trooper uncovered the skeleton of a native brave in our backyard. Mr. Sequartle is a member of the Duwamish tribe. Sure enough, there were plenty of tracks. The ground was still pretty soggy, so they were easy to see. After a bit, Trooper moved over to the side of our house. He seemed more active and moved back and forth under our bedroom window. Hey, Trooper, I yelled, thinking he might be messing up any tracks there. Sometimes there are raccoons in our neighborhood, and I hoped there might be tracks by the house. Trooper came running all right, but then barked and ran back. He was excited. I went over to the place where the lawn came up to the house. There was grass there, but also some bare spots. Yes, tracks. They were big. In fact, they were very big. Too big to be raccoon tracks. But they weren't troopers either. They were bigger and wider than his paws, with deep dents where large claws had dug into the dirt. Claws longer and stronger than troopers. A little thrill ran down my back when I thought about some big animal being right under our bedroom window during the night. What could it be? I took Trooper into the house so we wouldn't mess up the tracks, and then went hunting for my animal cast kit. I finally found it under my pile of dirty socks. When I came back outside, Dad was there. Usually, at this time, he would be hard at work in his home office, never to be disturbed while that door is closed. That's a line from one of Grandpa Bill's favorite science fiction movies, Forbidden Planet, spoken by the mechanical man, Robbie. Maybe when my robot is finished, I'll call it Robbie, too. Anyway, there he was. What's up, buddy? Dad asked. I found an animal track, and I'm going to make a cast of it. What are you doing out here? Well, I thought I'd take a little break. Sure has turned out to be a beautiful day. Can you help me with the kit, Dad? I asked. I've never used it before. So we set about to make the cast. In case you've never tried it, it turns out to be very easy. You take a strip of stiff plastic or cardboard, and make a ring around the track. Then you mix up some plaster and carefully pour it into the ring. The plaster has to be pretty runny so it will flow into all the little places. Wait till it hardens. Waiting is the hardest part. Gently remove it from the track and let it dry completely. Then you can carefully remove the ring, brush away the remaining dirt from the plaster, and coat the cast with something called polyurethane to protect it. 
It took us about an hour. While the plaster was hardening, Dad went back into his office to work. I wandered around the yard, looking for more interesting tracks. Eventually, I got to the back of our yard, where there's a huge tree. Under it is a little shed that some earlier owner used to raise special rabbits for their fur. Angora, I think. Something very fluffy, anyway. We don't use it for rabbits or anything else. Funny, though. The ground was very soft here, too, with little grass because of the tree. There were clear tracks coming away from the door of the shed. Grown-up boot tracks. And there was a padlock on the door. I know that wasn't there before. The metal was fresh and shiny, not dull like it gets in our rainy weather. Somebody was hiding something. This was obviously a job for mom, with her detective brain. But when I went looking for her, there was only a note in the kitchen saying she'd gone shopping with Desmond. Dad's office door was closed, so there was no way to ask him until he came out. Rules are rules. I went back outside to check the plaster cast. The plaster was hard, so I carefully pulled it up from the ground and took a look. Not much dirt had stuck to the plaster, so it was easy to see what the foot looked like. And it wasn't pretty. The back part of it looked like my own hand, but the front was much wider and had five very long claws instead of toes. At the back of the cast, the plaster showed thick hair. Oh boy, this was something really special. I could hardly wait to tell someone, but there was no one around. Then, I heard soft whistling from the other side of the fence that separated our yard from Mr. Yakamoto's. Grabbing the plaster cast, I took it to the fence. Mr. Yakamoto, I called. The whistling continued. Mr. Yakamoto, I yelled louder. The whistling stopped, and I heard someone shuffling toward the fence. A little brown face peeped over the top. Ah, Master Army. What can I do for you? Do you want some nice fresh wasabi? He held a strange looking green stem over the fence. I knew what wasabi was and wanted none of it. Mr. Yakamoto has a small fake waterfall and pool in his backyard and grows the Japanese horseradish on the edge of it. Dad told me he sells it to restaurants in the international district of Seattle and makes a lot of money from it. No thanks, Mr. Yakamoto. How's your back today? Much better, thank you for asking. And thank your mother again for the excellent noodles, even if they are Thai. I want to show you something I found under my bedroom window. I held up the plaster cast. You found a white rock? He asked. No, this is a plaster cast of an animal footprint I found. It's very odd. Want to look at it? Sure, I love odd things. Lift it up higher. I lifted it up, and Mr. Yakamoto's skinny hand and arm reached over the fence, taking the cast. Do you know what it is? I asked. He was silent for a few minutes, then said, Whatever it is, I hope it never comes to my house. It does look familiar, but I can't quite see... Oh, I know. It is the forefoot of a mole, 
but a monster big one. Like Godzilla, something grown to giant size. Now, I know from Grandpa Bill what Godzilla is. It's a giant dinosaur that attacks cities. I also know it is only in movies and doesn't really exist. You made this up to fool me, right, Master Army? Uh, yeah, sure, Mr. Yakamoto. Pretty good, huh? Very good. You almost fooled me. He handed the cast back over the fence. Take this for your mother. I know she likes it. He handed me the wasabi stem. Be sure to wash your hands right away. If the wasabi juice gets in your eyes, it will really burn. He laughed. Then he was back to his garden, invisible behind the fence. The whistling began again. What Mr. Yakamoto had told me was terrifying. At least one of the giant moles who kidnapped Desmond must have escaped Mr. Jorgensen's, Mom's, and Dad's, Coelho Man, that is, efforts to exterminate them. Dad had been so sure, but here was proof that the job was not finished. I guessed Coelho Man would have to visit Mr. Jorgensen's deserted farm again. I took the wasabi stem into the house and set it by the sink. Just at that moment, the front door opened, and Mom walked in with Desmond, who was carrying a large box. More building blocks, he crowed. We had gotten the building block sets for years, but Desmond just never got enough. We should use these to make your robot bigger, Army. It's my robot, and I'll decide that. I'm only now beginning to program it. I know how to program too, you know, he said loudly. This was true. Desmond was also taking a programming class at school. They call it coding because you write a code to make machines do what you want them to. But his bragging just made me angrier. My hair was in my face and I wiped it away with both hands. Then maybe you should get your own robot, I said even louder. Ha, that's just what I did he yelled in triumph. Desmond turned the box around, and I saw he had gotten a robot kit too. His was bigger than mine, and looked more like a battle robot. Our robots can fight to see who is the master robot, Desmond yelled again. Mom put her hand over her ears and rolled her eyes, just as a loud voice asked, just what is going on out here? Dad had come out of his office. Both Desmond and I started talking at the same time. Dad gave Mom a look, and she took Desmond into the kitchen, while Dad then took me into our bedroom. You mustn't get into such arguments with your brother. Why, your face is all red with anger. I suddenly realized my face felt very hot, and in fact, was burning. It must be the wasabi, I said. I forgot to wash my hands and must have touched my face. Wasabi? Yeah, Mr. Yakamoto gave me a piece for mom while I was showing him the cast. The cast? Is it done? Suddenly, I remembered the terrible news about the mole footprint. But where had I left the cast? Then it came to me. It was by the sink with the wasabi stem. Just then, we heard a shriek from the kitchen. But it wasn't Desmond's shriek this time. We both rushed into the kitchen, my argument with Desmond forgotten. 
There was Mom standing by the doorway and pointing at the sink. What is that? The wasabi stem from Mr. Yakamoto? I asked. No, no, the white thing. Oh, a cast of the footprint of a giant mole. I found the footprint outside our bedroom window. Now it was Desmond's turn to shriek. Dad walked over and picked up the cast, turning it over and over. Meanwhile, Mom had calmed down enough to comfort Desmond. Then she saw my face. Oh, Army, did you get some wasabi juice on your face? Uh-huh. I'll mix up some baking soda paste. That will fix you up. In the moment's excitement, I'd forgotten about my face. But now I realized it had gone numb. Desmond had recovered from his shock at the footprint, and now he pointed at me and said, Your face looks like a big tomato. He started to laugh, but Mom gave him the look, and he shut right up. Mom began spreading the white paste on my face, as Dad said, This is very serious. I thought the giant creatures were all gone, but this cast proves at least one is still around, and even worse, is exploring outside the old farm. Worst of all, it came to the house where Desmond lives. Don't let them get me again, cried Desmond. He was really scared. Don't you worry, honey, said Mom, giving him a big hug. We'll never let that happen. There's only one thing to do, said Dad. The moon will be out tonight, and Coelho Man will have to pay another visit to the Jorgensen farm, hopefully for the last time. In the meantime, what did you buy with your Christmas money, Desi? I'm old enough to know Dad was trying to take Desmond's mind off the moles. It worked. He showed Dad the robot kit he'd bought and began work on it right away. His was different than mine, coming mostly assembled. All Desmond had to do was snap the main pieces together and begin programming. While he was working, Mom went to work on dinner, and Dad went back into his office to do whatever dads do. I decided to go out to the backyard again and look for more tracks. Getting down on my hands and knees, I could see better. Sure enough, there were plenty of the huge mole tracks along the house. I followed them backward, just like Mom would have, to see where they came from. I followed them all the way to the gate in the fence. Just then, I heard a loud, Aha! Uh -huh. I almost jumped out of my shoes. Hey, Army! Wow, what did you put on your face? You look like a crazy ghost. It was my friend Sammy Shapiro, who lived across the street. I got some stuff on my face that burned, and Mom put this paste on to soothe it, I replied. What's so interesting down there on the ground? Looking for bugs? No, animal tracks. I'm studying them. I didn't want to tell Sammy exactly what kind of tracks they were. I heard that Bigfoot stole an apple from your tree last fall. Maybe it's a Bigfoot track. <laughs> Sammy can really be a jerk sometimes and get on my nerves. No, Sammy, just a regular track. Well, I came over to see if you wanted to play Zombie Crush with me. No, I'm busy with my tracks, and we have family stuff later. Maybe tomorrow? Hey, this must be a big deal. You love Zombie Crush. Let's see that track. He swung open the gate and walked right in, getting down on the ground next to me.
I don't see anything. Oh, wait. Yeah. It looks just like your hand. If you had three-inch-long fingernails. What is it? One of troopers? I think it's a coyote, I said, trying to get Sammy to leave. How could a coyote get into your backyard? Asked Sammy. Maybe somebody, like you, left the gate open, I replied. Sammy got the idea. Okay, okay, I get the idea. Let me know when you can come over. Sammy got up, slammed the gate, and wandered off. I felt a little guilty about Sammy, but he was in the way right now, and video games were not nearly as interesting as tracking down giant moles. I looked up into the sky. It was one of those days when the moon was visible in daytime, already more than halfway across the sky. I wondered if Dad knew that, then went back to examining the mole tracks. Odd, only the right front paw ever showed in the dirt. Well, Armando and his family certainly have a mystery on their hands. I don't know how I would feel if I found giant mole tracks in my backyard in real life. I think I might panic just a little bit. But it would definitely be interesting and exciting. I guess I'd have to take them directly to the Burke Museum. Now, for those of you who know me in real life, you may know that my children really are Armando and Desmond. I really do have a dog named Trooper. These stories are written by my father. And my husband? He does have a pair of superhero pajamas. But most of the rest of this story is purely made up. My father is a wonderfully inventive storyteller. Anyway, we are going to pause the story right here at this interesting juncture. Come back next week for part three, won't you? Thanks again to my father, William Stair, for writing the stories in this My Mom Detective series, as well as Lini's Big Idea. And thanks to you for listening to Elderberry Tales. I'll see you next week.